1: Hey, Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast, your source for sports entertainment and incredible sports wagering intelligence.
2: welcome sports fans this is wagering week i'm tom barton that's right we are wagering week lots to talk about today oh yeah well there's a new quarterback in miami and people are not quite sure if they like that or not how about big 10 play starting this weekend in college football clemson is like about minus a thousand against syracuse we're going to get into that Hey, we're going to get into all of the NFL as well. You're looking at three teams that are undefeated heading into this weekend. You're looking at two teams that have not beaten the spread yet. It's the first time that that's happened uh, since 2011, only the third time in history, 1984 being the other time, that that's ever happened. Dallas-New York Jets, I'm talking about you. Speaking of the Jets, we have some lines up. Will they win a game this year? And who will be their coach during their futility? All that plus... Little LA Dodgers, Clayton Kershaw talk. We're going to get into it all. I want to hear from you guys, Facebook and Twitter at Sportsgarden, G A R T E N, hashtag S G N, 855, the number four, G A R T E N, iHeart, iTunes Radio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates. That's where you can check us out. So let's start it off here. I want to talk a little bit about Major League Baseball. I don't want to get overly into the World Series, okay? But I want to talk about a certain Mr. Clayton Kershaw. I have defended Clayton Kershaw my entire career. I have defended Clayton Kershaw and flat out said, I believe that Clayton Kershaw is the greatest pitcher I have ever seen. The greatest pitcher I've ever witnessed. Now, you can tell me about Roger Clemens during the regular season, Randy Johnson in the playoffs. The best playoff pitcher is John Smoltz that I've seen. Potentially the best overall pitcher I've ever seen. If you're looking at you know regular season, you know you got the Maddoxes. I know people want to put Pedro in there. I don't. You know you got the Clemens. To me, it's it's Kershaw, and I don't think that you're allowed in this context of Major League Baseball on a starting pitcher. I don't think you're allowed to sit back and tell me that he's not because of his playoff run. He's had a lot of good games. He's had a lot of bad games, but he's also had a lot of games in the postseason. That's something to pay attention to. Barry Bonds was a terrible postseason performer until he wasn't. And this week, I sat back and I had a conversation about who is Clayton Kershaw. And you know who I continue to say that Clayton Kershaw is? Clayton Kershaw is John Elway. Yeah, he's John Elway. John Elway is a guy who massively talented i think generally speaking everybody said you know he's one of the top two or three quarterbacks maybe of all time even when he was playing but he just could not win and his teams got absolutely spanked in the super bowl but that narrative went away for john elway didn't it didn't it all kind of just wash away for john elway when all of a sudden he won and it was terrell davis's team but he still won now when you talk about john elway you look back and you almost forget that he had four losses In the Super Bowl, you almost forget about that, and you just go, yeah, John Elway, one of the greatest of all time, and you just move on. And people will sit back and argue that he is the greatest of all time because he erased it. So I think Clayton Kershaw has the opportunity this year to become John Elway. And yes, it only takes once. It only takes one ring. Even during a corona era, it only takes one ring because Kershaw is so good outside of that. This was Clayton Kershaw when he went out there in Game 1. By the way, I thought he had a little value. Clayton Kershaw, his average NLCS and World Series lines are over minus 150. They are sitting around the minus 170 spot. That's in the World Series. Okay? This line was a little bit favoritism. It was a little bit skewed towards Tampa Bay. I actually believe that there was some value there. Clayton Kershaw, that first game that he opened up with, ninth career postseason start, six-plus innings, no more than one earned run and one walk. That's the most in Major League Baseball history. So we could sit back and we talk talk about all of Clayton Kershaw and what he doesn't do most in postseason history. He's got some of that. His ERA over his Dodger career opened up in 2008, 4.26, 3.36, 1, 3.17 2.88, 2.79, 2.60, 2.48, 2.43, 2.37, 2.36, 2.39, 2.44, 2.43. Ridiculous. Ridiculous how good this guy is. So we know he's got the regular season success. What do you need to put Clayton? I'm asking you. I'm literally asking you guys. What do you need to put him over the top? What does Clayton Kershaw have to do to put him over the top in into that next stratosphere for you? And when I say the next stratosphere, what I'm saying is the greatest pitcher of all time. Now, I can't speak on the Sandy Koufaxes out there. I can't speak on the Christy Mathewson's, and neither can you. And if you can, call us up. Okay? It's that little ring-a-ding thing. I'm sure you don't have a cell phone. Okay, the numbers are just there. Okay, the numbers are just there. And you look at Clayton Kershaw, and you say, you know, Clayton Kershaw, he's only 32 years old. I took a stab at him this year to win the Cy Young. I don't think I was that far off before the year began. He's a guy that does get injured. He has back problems, but he's still gutting his way through it. So I wanted to give a little credit to Clayton Kershaw. I also wanted to talk, just for a moment here, about the totals of this game. In the World Series, I expected the totals to be lower than normal. And we came out, we're seeing halfs and 8s. I expected the totals to come in on the unders, but I didn't expect the unders to be 7.5, so I'm going to be honest with you. Opening night game, depending on where you got it, was either 3.5 or 4 for the first five innings. That's a problem. That is a regular game. Now, it went over, okay, and we 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 have that, but you look at game two, eight for a little while, went down to 7.5. The unders usually play really well, when you have good starting pitchers, and the Unders usually play really well in the World Series. And I was afraid of what this year would be. I was generally nervous about it. So, something to keep in mind. Let's get into a little bit of Tua time. I know we're saving the NFL for later on in the show, but Tua, a lot yeah. He is a guy that is just a lightning rod, isn't he? Tua T, it is Tua T time. Now... Tua comes over, and he takes on a 3-3 and Miami Dolphins team that legitimately had a shot at the playoffs. Legitimately had a shot. Now, their schedule is pretty rough from here on out. But I think that this is a decision that was made long ago. Ryan Fitzpatrick came out, and he said, you know, he thought that this was his team. And I have to agree, I did too, Ryan. I, I thought you were playing really well. I thought, Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, you didn't deserve this fate. I didn't believe that he did deserve what happened to him. He said, I basically got fired yesterday. Uh, this was right afterwards. Uh, and my day today consisted of Zoom meetings with the guy who fired me and sitting in a room with a guy who replaced me. <laughs> right? Um, look, Ryan is going to be a good soldier. We know that. But I have to say I agree with the move. I agree with the move on a few different fronts. Front number one, why I agree with the two move is, Is because while Ryan Fitzpatrick does have this team three and three, they are entering a brutal stretch of the schedule. So when else are you going to be able to do this? That's why I agree. There's only only next summer are you going to be able to have this much ramp up time with the coaches, the head coach, the offensive coordinator, the quarterback coach taking first team reps. Tua gets two weeks of first team reps. So I agree with it there. Secondly, you can't convince me that this move was not already made in the summer in the offseason. This was a move that had already been made. You can't convince me otherwise in any way shape or form. This was decided long ago. No matter what happens, Ryan, if you're 6 and 0 or if you're 0 and 6 or happen to be 3 and 3 which we are, we're going to Tua during the bye week. If it wasn't during the bye week I could understand people's frustration, but it was during the bye week. And Tua is a guy you have got to know what you have this is a two-fold situation not only do the miami dolphins have a, a top round pick here they also have the houston texans houston is sitting there with one win on the season houston looks bad houston looks bad houston looks like they're going to give miami a top 10 pick you have to know if you're going to get your quarterback you have to know you know what what if miami has an opportunity to trade two first And go get that number one overall pick for Trevor Lawrence. Or go get that number two or three and go get Josh Fields. They have to know what they're looking for. They have to know what their plan is moving forward. And from here on out, Tua taking over in week eight, the Miami Dolphins are at least going to have a game plan. They're at least going to have some kind of idea what they are. Now, it is kind of interesting. Tua T takes over and their Super Bowl odds go down. Their division odds barely moved. And Tuati takes over, and people are flabbergasted that he's taking over now, but no one's really going, well, it's the wrong decision. It doesn't feel right because Ryan Fitzpatrick is a likable guy. We love Ryan Fitzpatrick. We love the beard. We love the, the backstory. We love the Harvard. We love you. He's been on 25 teams, right? We love the backstory of Ryan Fitzpatrick. We get it. But this is to a time, or it's not. And they have to figure out if it is or not. They have to figure out, is this the moment where our franchise takes off and to a T leads us? Or is this the moment where we go, we have to reassess things. We have to kind of figure it out and we got to start over. I told you, I believe, incredibly believe in this team moving forward. I really like the head coach. I like the pieces that he has. I like it. Is he going to be over his head a little bit? Yeah, sure. And you look at his schedule for Miami and look at the schedule that Miami has. It's not good. Right, I mean, the schedule is brutal, but you have to see what you have in this kid. So with that said, I have some odds for you. I have some odds on 2-a-T. How about starts? Over 8.5 starts. That means he's going to basically start every game from here on out. Minus 270 is, yes, under 8.5 uh Plus 180 is no. So the eight and a half number, he's going to start every game from here on out. Look, barring an injury, which this guy is injured, you have to just assume he's going to start every game. But I see a little value on the under just because he is an injury-prone guy. I see that. So let's go to some of the other stuff. Passing yards, 2,380 and a half over or under. I think Tua has the opportunity to really come in here, hit the ground running, and, and hit his big receivers. His receivers right now, Devontae Parker is in the upper echelon of receivers. Not quite elite. I don't think he's top, quite top 10, but is he top 15 in the league? Sure. Preston Williams is a very solid number two. Grant adds an addition as a number three. Gazeki, all kinds of talent there. Shaheem, all kinds of talent. Miles Gaskin's running the ball well. He's got weapons, he's got weapons to use. Again, barring the brutal schedule, which he does have, he does have weapons out there. So I'm kind of taking the over here for Tua on passing yards. Passing touchdowns, 13-and-a-half over under. Oh, I like this over. Oh, I like this over. Right? You got to think about he's going to be playing nine games, uh, give or take, eight to nine games. So he needs like one-and-a-half touchdowns. Look, if he has one big blow-up you know, game against uh you're a weak opponent and throws three. You're, you're sitting pretty here. I think he gets more than that. I think that the Miami Dolphins will play until the very final whistle the entire year. Week 17, fourth quarter, uh, up or down by 10. They're still going to try to score with Tua. And that leads me to believe that he's going to get the over. Interceptions over under nine, I'm staying away from. Look, Tua has been one of these guys that take care of the ball really, really well. Throughout his college career, he doesn't make big mistakes. He doesn't make big errors. But nine is one a game. It's in the same vein as, you know what, he, it's his first taste of the NFL. It's the first time that these guys are going to be jumping routes and stuff. And you look at the Miami Dolphins and you look at their schedule, you know, and that's something that you really have to take into account. What Look, they're coming back against the Rams. That's a tough game right there, right? The Rams are a tough out right away. Then after the Rams, you have the Cardinals in Arizona. Their defense isn't great, okay, but that's a tough team. Chargers in Miami, Bosa and Ingram, likely healthy for that game. That's a tough one. Broncos in Denver, potential snow right before Thanksgiving there. That's a rough one. Kid from Hawaii that played in Alabama, grew up uh, you know in, in warm weather, played in warm weather, plays for the Dolphins, maybe maybe a snow game. That's rough. Then he's got the Jets, okay, in New York. That's okay. Bengals, after that, that'll be fun. Tua Burrow will be a fun. You want to circle a game on your calendar that is underrated? How about Tua Burrow, December 6th? Then he's got Patrick Mahomes. Then he's got Bill Belichick. Then he's got John Gruden, and then he's got the Bills. So, I think he has a good game in about half. I think he'll struggle against Belichick. He'll probably struggle against the Bills, probably struggle against um, the Broncos, struggle against the Rams, struggle against the Chargers. He'll have success against the Cardinals, the Jets, the Bengals, potentially the Chiefs and the Raiders. So, I think it's half and half. You know, you look at a betting perspective here, from a betting line— The Rams are going to be favored, okay? The Cardinals are going to be favored. The Chargers, probably going to be favored. By the way, Herbert against Tua, another underrated game. So you're looking at maybe they might be the underdogs in three straight games here. Broncos on the road, probably a slight favorite. The opening line has the Dolphins underdog in all of those games. Now it's close, but underdog in all those games. Against the Jets, they'll be the favorite. At home against the Bengals, probably the favorite, depending on how good Cincinnati looks from here on out. Chiefs, they're the dogs. Patriots they're the dogs. Raiders they're the dogs on the road. Bills they're the dogs on the road. So while we are talking about what the Dolphins could be, what they might be, what you know, who knows what they're going to going to go out there and do. You know, they got 10 games left. They have 10 games left. And they'll be underdogs pretty much in all but two, maybe three. Does that mean that they're going to lose seven games? No, it doesn't mean it, but it means that the odds makers say that they may not do well. Right? They may not do well. For me personally, I don't think they they beat the Rams. Although that's a lot, that's a game that's a lot better on a betting perspective if you get home points with the Dolphins. I don't think they win that one. I don't think they could go to Arizona and beat the the Cardinals, but I do think they beat the the Chargers. So I have one and two there. Broncos it's coin flip. I'm going to have to give them a loss though even though I think they can win that game. So we'll say 1 and 3, the Jets are 2 and 3. I think they beat the Bengals, that's 3 and 3. So 3 and 3, they'll be 6 and 6 with a late push to get to the playoffs. But their late pushes, the Chiefs, they're not winning that game. The Patriots maybe they could pull it out. The Raiders and the Bills on the road. I don't think this is a product of 2 because much of what I just said would have been a product of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Much of what I just said would have been the same thing. If Ryan Fitzpatrick is in there, I'll flip the, do- the Broncos game to a win. And if Ryan Fitzpatrick's in there, I think maybe they could beat the Patriots at home. So, I had, with Ryan Fitzpatrick in here, I had 8-8. Eight and eight. With two in here, I'm looking at 6 wins, potentially 7. It's about a 1-win one, one swing. But with a 1-win swing, guys, you have to take into account... When you're looking back on January 4th, when the season is over for Miami, the regular season, you are going to know if you have your quarterback or not. There is enough of a sample size. He's not playing cupcakes. He's got half and half, half good defenses, half bad defense. He's got some division games. He's got some tough road games. He's got some tough weather games. This sets up perfectly for Miami, not to win, but to decide who they have in Tua, not to go out there and make the playoffs but they get to decide who they have in Two Tua. is going to be going up against Murray, Mahomes, Cam Newton, Josh Allen, Burrow, Herbert. I mean, they're going up against really, really, really promising young quarterbacks, and they have to find out if they have one themselves. So I didn't agree with the idea that, you know what, they did this because he's, the guy that should be in there. But I understand it from a business move. From a business move, ladies and gentlemen, this was the right move to make. You need to go out there. You put Tua in there. You find out, is this our guy? Is this the guy that's going to lead it? And I think it is. I think Tua is the guy to lead Miami. Miami. I would have made the move myself. I would have already told Ryan Fitzpatrick back in August I was making the move myself. I am taking the over in yards. I am taking the over in touchdowns. I am taking the over in Tua overall. I think this is the guy. So it's weird timing. Ryan Fitzpatrick, I love the guy. I really do. But it's time to see if it is Tua time. And I think it is. All right, let's take a quick timeout. Come on back. Lots more to talk about. Clemson is a ridiculous favorite, and the New York Jets' futility. Big Ten's back as well. All that and more right after this on Wagering Week. Justin, and so good. Thousands of spring deals
0: at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save big today on new arrivals from Kate Spade New York, Nike, Sam Edelman, Free People, and Madewell, starting at only $30. Great brands and great prices on dresses, denim, sandals designer bags and more so rack your look and get first dibs on spring styles you want now from just 30 dollars at your nordstrom rack store what will you find Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing Uh, (laughs) that's definitely not a problem Uh, Reese's you did it you stumped this charming devil
2: Winning season returns at MyBookie. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means insane props, epic bonuses, and the craziest cross-sport wagers. All at MyBookie.com. Winning season means watching live sports and betting. Live sports all season long. The NFL has returned. That means action-packed Sundays and huge cash prizes. Get in on the action. Use promo code WAGERWEEK and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free bet play designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Bet with the best this NFL season for your chance to win big. Use the promo code WagerWeek and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today only at MyBookie.
0: And now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get to gamble before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. Right.
2: What are the odds? What are the odds? Alright. Big Ten is back. That is right. The Big Ten is back. So let's do some opening week uh, odds in the Big Ten. Wisconsin, 20-point favorite over Illinois to start the week. It went all the way down. and it dipped down to 18.5, bounced back to about 19, 19.5. They are basically a three-touchdown favorite against Illinois, Wisconsin on opening week. Notre Dame-Pittsburgh is one I want to take a – Quick peek at as well. Line started at 8, and it jumped all the way up to 11, only to come back to 10. A lot of people liking Pittsburgh later on in the week. How about Louisville? Nine-point favorite over Florida State. It went down to 5, and Florida State is getting a massive amount of money. Alabama-Tennessee, that's a 3-point, 3-touchdown spread, I should say. Uh, Alabama on the road against Tennessee. It's 21 pretty much across the board. Let's continue here with some of the big games and the Big Ten. Indiana is catching six now at home against Penn State. Penn State's supposed to be down. They have some injuries. It's still within a touchdown for Indiana at home. That would be a huge win. How about a huge win? You want to talk about a huge win? Money is coming in, and I said it. Hold on. Hold your breath. Money is coming in on Rutgers. That's right. Rutgers is down to only a 13-point underdog on the road against Michigan State. Nebraska won it out of the Big Ten after the whole COVID thing. Well, people not believing in them. Ohio State is a 26-point favorite there. So the Big Ten is opening up. We see, you know, some of these lines that are getting out there. And you go, yeah, Maryland-Northwestern, that's an 11-point spread there. But the big spread of the weekend—oh, by the way, Michigan, three-point favorite against Minnesota. The big spread of the weekend and the big odds of the weekend, we have to focus on the Clemson Tigers. Because the Clemson Tigers are playing Syracuse. It is in Death Valley. The line opened up at minus 44.5, and and it's up to 47 in some spots. People are betting the Clemson Tigers to destroy Syracuse. That is what are the odds. Yeah, let's let's get into this a little bit, guys, because it is the biggest spread in the history of Syracuse football. 47-point underdogs. I know how good Clemson is, and I know how good Trevor Lawrence is. This is just an absolutely ridiculous spread. So I wanted to talk for a moment about what big spreads do. Why are they out there? What are they doing, right? Big spreads are there for two reasons. Either one, look, this team is just massively and marketably better than the other team. Or sticker shock. And sticker shock is something that in the sports betting world, yeah, we absolutely have to take into account. Somebody sees a 47-point spread, it's not going to knock them off of Clemson, right? Right. You're not going to go, well, I love Clemson at 44, but at 47, I don't know. Now, that's not happening. But you're getting the other side. You see a spread like this, they're saying, no one's betting Syracuse. Nobody in the world will ever bet Syracuse. So what do we have to do? What we have to do is we have to go out there and we have to make a ridiculous, massive spread to start getting someone to pay attention to Syracuse. That's why that number's out there, guys. That's why that number is so big. I've bet massive games before, big spreads, big underdogs, and I just don't like it. I don't like it one way or another. I just don't like anything about these big, giant spreads. When you're talking about a spread this large, okay, you have to assume that Clemson almost has to pitch a shutout, right? I mean, if they score 50, you're barely covering. So you have to assume Clemson's going to pitch a shutout. By the way, uh, how ridiculous in the the how ridiculous can you get you online sportsbooks? Okay, FanDuel Sportsbook is offering a money line on Clemson and Syracuse. Anybody feel lucky out there, Gary? You feel lucky? I got I got my lock of the century. I got I my I am, I am. Let's go. Tell me, tell me. I don't say the word lock on the show. I hate the word lock. I got it. I'm taking money line Clemson. So you have to bet a thousand dollars to win a dollar. Are you are you feeling lucky? Are you feeling wow. good? Wow. You gotta bet a thousand dollars to win a dollar. It's the only sports book that I found out for moneyline. I don't like to say the word lock because it jinx me. But I think I could say the word lock here. <laughs> I'll take it. As long as there's no mush, I'll take it. Clemson Moneyline. How ridiculous is this? So FanDuel is offering that. I uh, I don't know. I, I I really I wanna talk to to somebody from FanDuel and say how many people bet it? Clemson is a minus 100,000 favorite. I've never seen something so ridiculous. So I wanted to talk about that. Let's get into the Big Ten play a little bit. Um, I know people early on in the season, they're a little gun-shy. People usually are very gun-shy about what happens in week one. And I, I understand the hesitation. I really do. The hesitation is sitting there and you go, I'm not sure. Michigan, Minnesota makes some sense. Minnesota's supposed to be better this year. I get it. Maybe this is the year that Michigan falls off. It's a road game. All right. I understand the hesitation there. You get into some other games like Boise State, 16-point favorite, 16-and-a-half. Then it was 17 and went back to 16-and-a-half. Well, you know what? It's week one. I'm not really sure. But there's two Big Ten games that kind of jump off the sheet for me. Jump off the sheet because people out there, you you don't realize – exactly who these teams are and i'm talking about rutgers yeah rutgers look rutgers brings in a new coach and we know he's he's had success there okay uh he's been a guy that has brought the program along people back him up people get to enjoy what he's doing there Well, Rutgers, who get spanked, and I don't think they've ever won a Big Ten game. I mean, that's literally where it is. They they just get crushed all over the place. They're on completely the other side of the country. They're following their own protocols. Nobody talks to Rutgers. It's absolutely ridiculous. But Rutgers is getting some money coming in. And I have to applaud the public here. Not that I love Rutgers, and I won't put a dollar on them, okay? Even the dollar that I went with Clemson. I'm not going to put it on Rutgers here. But I like that the public sees... It's not just Rutgers. It's a new coach. It's a new culture. It's a, it's a lot of new stuff. They're going to East Lansing, which is a rough situation. I think Michigan State is better than what people are talking about this year. That's why I won't lay off of it. But I do like to see some money coming in on Rutgers. It shows me that the public is very intelligent in this spot. And then you have Wisconsin against Illinois. Look, Wisconsin is in a revenge game. And the one thing about Wisconsin that we could say is that this team doesn't go through lulls, right? They move coaches, they move players, they move running backs, they move offensive linemen, and Wisconsin looks like Wisconsin forever. Wisconsin looks like Wisconsin back in the 50s. Wisconsin looks like Wisconsin forever. I mean forever, right? Huge, giant, offensive lineman, push you around, mole you, run the ball really well with a talented running back, uh, whether it be Melvin Gordon or Jonathan Taylor, doesn't matter. They're just going to produce. And Illinois comes in as almost a three-point underdog, and you start to scratch your head a little bit, right? And you go, well, I know Wisconsin has a new quarterback, but it doesn't matter. I know Wisconsin has some new players, but it doesn't matter. So that's breaking down this college football week. And the last team I want to talk about is, look, it's a team that I have a personal stake in just because I'm close to the organization, and that's Florida State. Florida State was... It was up here, man. Florida State believed. My wife is an alumni, okay? She believes in her head, and we fight all the time about it. That Florida State is one of the elite of the elites. Now, I tell her all the time, look, you're not Notre Dame. You're not USC. You know, you're know, you not Michigan. You're not Ohio State. You're not one of the elite elites. But I don't think they were rung down too far. And then they fell. And they, when they fell, they fell massively hard. And they took a lot of people with them. They continued to be betting favorites. They continued to let up. They couldn't cover spreads. They looked bad. They looked awful. Now they switched coaches. Now they switched coaches again. And in the beginning of the year, uh, Mike Norville is is taking on a Georgia Tech team in Florida State. They they were a 21-point underdog, and they won outright. And people said, that's it. Fire him up. And all I kept saying is, you got to give a new coach some time. I said it about Scott Frost. In Nebraska and I'm saying it here about normal I don't know if he's the answer and I, I, I technically have said that he isn't but okay he might be but we don't know yet you can't jump ship this quickly So now, last week, they go out there, Florida State as, again, an underdog, a two-touchdown underdog, not only wins, but they really cleaned up that game. For those that are not college football fans, it wasn't that they just went out there and dominated the game or did anything like that. No, 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 no. Florida State went out there, and they went out there with a plan, and they switched their starting quarterbacks, and they switched some position players, and there was a new defensive back in there. Florida State made changes. And I can't wait to see if those changes were a one week get behind them, or is this a new culture changing? So this week there's another big game there. So that's where we sit with the culture of college football right now. Where we are looking as far as Heisman Trophy guys, I know I get asked this quite a bit. Before the Big Ten season began, it didn't matter. It was Trevor Lawrence. And now Fields might come back. It doesn't matter. It's Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence for me on the betting line, Trevor Lawrence for me as my pick. It was my preseason pick. It was my pick two preseason ago. go. My, it's going to be my pick tomorrow. I mean, it, it's going to be Trevor Lawrence for me just throughout. It doesn't matter really what numbers other people put up because he has everything that you want. He's going to have an elite team and, and elite offense. He's only going to play half of games, and he's still going to put up ridiculous numbers. I think Trevor Lawrence, this is his to lose, and nothing that Josh Fields can do can take over. Nothing he can do on the field can go out there and take over. And I think there are going to be people out there that hold this against the Big Ten a little bit, that hold them sitting out for the year, you know, hold it against them slightly. And I don't, look, I can't tell you that I blame them. I can't tell you that I do. I don't think the Big Ten, with their truncated schedule, getting another month and a half to prepare or almost two months to prepare, I don't think that they should be in the Final Four think they should be allowed in the conversation. I think they will be, but I don't think they should be. And I think a lot of that is also the same thing with the Heisman. If you're going out there betting on a Heisman, you get to bet on a guy that has uh, played in September and October, not a guy that just starts in late October, right? So, that's where I stand with all that. That's college football. I want to get into the NFL, and I want to get into a lot of NFL conversation, and we're going to talk about all of the games in the NFL, and break all that down in a moment. That is going to the future. But first, let's bet to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet, bet to, back the, to future. the future. Bet to the future. All right. I have futility numbers. That's right. Futility numbers. And that is, will the New York Jets finish at 0-16 and 16 on the year? We have no at minus 400 and yes at plus 300. Now, I've seen this no up to as much as 550 with a return back at 325. I've seen it as low as 350. People are really jumping on the Jets going 0-16 bandwagon. That's is bet to the future but we have to break the Jets down a little bit more don't we Adam Gase is atrocious this man is a terrible terrible coach and he's a terrible coach on so many different levels you want another odds statistic here who will be the next coach Head coach to be fired, Adam Gase, minus 175, Doug Marone, plus 225, Patricia, 550, Lynn, 700, and Zimmer, 700. Adam Gase is the overwhelming favorite, and a lot of people are wondering, why is he even around anymore? Le'Veon Bell gets released, Andy Reid takes a shot at Adam Gase, but he took a shot at Adam Gase in the most Andy Reid way, right? Andy Reid said... Oh, well, we just kinda we don't throw away good players. That's why we wanna lay on Bell after Adam Gates basically said he's just not a good player. Uh, he's he's atrocious. So I wanted to break down the Owen the sixteen. Because you're getting more than three to one odds on the yes they will go Owen sixteen. And I said it before the year I thought they were gonna have a bad year, and I've said it all along. I think this team has a legitimate shot to go Owen sixteen. Owen sixteen, hey, that means Case will be fired. Hey, that also probably means Trevor Lawrence is there. So there's not all bad. But I want to have some fun with this because I want to look at the schedule. And let's see, should we put our money on a 3-1 to one underdog uh, getting 3-1 to one return on our money about the futility of the New York Jets? And all you New York Jet fans out there, I see you shaking your heads and you're going, yes, put your money on them. They're so bad. There's a worse organization ever. I get it. But let's see if we could find ourselves a win, right? So this week... You have the Buffalo Bills coming in. The Buffalo Bills opened up at minus 10. It's up to 13, half or 14. It's basically a double-digit underdog against an angry Buffalo team who's lost two games in a row. Double-digit road favorites cover it at almost a 90% clip over the last 20 games. Double-digit favorites in the spot uh, on the road just are money. And the Buffalo Bills, they're sending the Jets to a loss. Okay, now this isn't as as solid as Clemson. You want a good parlay? There you go, Clemson and Buffalo. But if you, you know, what a thousand dollars going to win four bucks? But Buffalo is probably going to win this game. Next week, I have the advanced lines for Week Eight, and the advanced line for Week Eight has Kansas City at a twenty-one and a half or twenty-two point favorite against the Jets. Twenty-one and a half or twenty-two point favorite in the NFL. So let's just say that the New York Jets, yeah, things are not getting a lot better for you. You'll be 0-8. 0-8 heading on a Monday night game against the New England Patriots. By the way, what moron scheduled New England against the Jets on Monday night football? Do we have to really adore New England against the Jets on freaking Monday night football? Are we joking here? But okay. New England, look, it's in New York. And this might be the best chance that the Jets have to win all year. Does anybody... I want to hear it out out there from you guys. Does anybody believe that on Monday Night Football... That the New York Jets are beating Bill Belichick? Being 0-8? He's not getting embarrassed like that. No chance. No chance. So I got him at 0-9. You go to the bye week. Bye week 10. Come out of the bye week. Your reward for coming out of the bye week. Travel across the country and go play the Chargers. Uh, Look, going east to west, it's not a huge deal, but it's still the Chargers. Justin Herbert looks much better week by week. By this time, Austin Eckler should be back. Ingram should be back. Bosa should be healthy. All of a sudden, the Chargers are looking pretty good. They're not looking like that one-win team that they are right now. I think it's a tough ask to ask the Jets to get their first win of the season on the road, and especially on the West Coast. Then you have Miami at home. Here's a winnable spot. If Ryan Fitzpatrick is in there, probably not. But we just talked about my feelings about Tua. And Tua is in a spot here where they will be favored. They will be probably a touchdown favorite. So I see the Jets drop in that game. The Vegas Raiders go from West Coast to East Coast playing an early game. But Vegas is a much improved team. I cannot give the Jets a win here. Although that stretch of Chargers, Miami, Vegas, that might upend our 0 16. But again, looking at this from a betting perspective, Buffalo is going to be a two touchdown favorite. Kansas City is going to be a three touchdown favorite. New England will be a double digit favorite. The Chargers will be a touchdown. Miami will be a touchdown. Vegas will be a touchdown. Then you go to Seattle. You get no chance. No, there's no prayer. You're not going to Seattle on the road and beating Seattle. Uh, the New York Jets in December. Yeah, It's just not happening. So that's gone. The, the, Seattle should be two touchdown favorites there also. 13, 14, sure. The Rams also on the West Coast. The Rams in a spot where you're not going to lose this one to the Jets. You might not be a two-touchdown favorite, but I think you'll be favored. Look, if if, if the Rams are at home favored by a 5-1 and one Bears team by nearly a touchdown this week... How are they not going to be nearly a two-touchdown favorite? I I got Rams by, like, 12. So they're not winning that game. Cleveland in New York, December 27th. I think a lot of this depends on if Cleveland's in the hunt. But so far, 4-2 record, it looks like they might be. Chubb will be back for this one. Uh, This is a spot where I think that the Jets drop another one. And I think Cleveland will be... Look, Cleveland being a road favorite scares me. Cleveland will be a 6-point, 7-point favorite there. And then you go to Foxborough. Week 17, maybe New England has nothing to play for, but it doesn't look like one of those years where anyone's getting rested. It doesn't look like that. looks like New England will be looking to win this game. So there are some spots here. Chargers, Miami, Vegas, Cleveland would be the four spots, unless Week 17 turns out where where Belichick doesn't care. So you got four spots. In each one of these spots, I'm looking at the situation. I'm saying they're going to be underdogs by at least a touchdown. To me, their best shot, Miami, Vegas, and Cleveland at home. I don't think they win their game on the road. So you're down to three games. And when we're talking about a 3-1 to return, you're down to three games. So should we put our money on the New York Jets? Should we put our money on the New York Jets to go 0-16? Well, I'm going to tell you that we should. Because you're getting 325, 350 back, Whatever. The odds are only going to go down. Once they lose to Buffalo, then they lose to Kansas City, then they lose to New England and they go into the bye week, every week their odds are going to go down and it's going to you're going to start seeing two to one. We're going to have this conversation again. I don't feel comfortable and fully confident that they could turn around and they could win some of these games, but here's how you hedge. If you have 3-1 to for them to win, and you have that inkling and that feeling that maybe they're going to win against Miami or Vegas, they're going to be a touchdown or more underdog anyway. Take them on the money line, take them plus the 500, and clean up there. So my feeling is, it's very difficult to go 0-16 in the NFL. I see a couple of reasons why the New York Jets probably will win like one game this year. But I think that you could go into those last two games against Cleveland and New England, hedge your bet plus the 350, you have plus 350 one way, you take the New York Jets to win it, plus like 400 on the other way, and you're cleaning up. That's how to properly hedge a bet. All right, real quick, let's go through the NFL slate of games here. Uh, I want to... Go rapid fire and con- kind of just concentrate on the big games, okay? Cleveland, Cincinnati. I said it. Look, I- I'm still skeptical, skeptical about. Uh- playing any points, any points on the road by Cleveland. And this is on the road in division. Cincinnati has covered five of the last seven trips against them, even though they didn't win. Look, they already played this year. They lost by five, five and a half points spread. Burrow came back at the end of the game. I could see something similar happen, but you got to lean Cleveland or nothing here. Dallas is a mess. Dallas is the fourth highest scoring team in the history on defensive side, on the history of the league right now. They can't get out of their own way, but I don't know if Washington can, can capitalize I think Andy Dalton has it coming out a little bit. He's much better than what we watched on Monday night. Yeah, it's down to a pick It's just hard to go with Dallas right now. Ezekiel Elliott has got to step up. This has got to be the Ezekiel Elliott show and the Ezekiel Elliott game. But Washington, look, they're number two in a lot of defensive categories, and they're number in the top five or six in most defensive categories. So it's going to be tough sledding there. Detroit, Atlanta, uh, Ryan and Staffordshire just absolutely sling it all day long. I like both weapons for both teams. I think Galladay has a big day. I think Julio Jones has a big day. Carolina, well, here's a spot. Teddy Bridgewater as an underdog. Bet. NFL quarterback in the history of the NFL. As an underdog, he's catching seven and a half. New Orleans is rested. They're well coached. It's a tough spot for Carolina, who doesn't do well. They're one and five in the last six against New Orleans on the road in this spot. They don't do well there, but that hook, that hook has me thinking. Buffalo against the Jets. Look, I touched on it. This is Buffalo or nothing. I like Buffalo. When I grabbed them at ten and a half and I bought the half a point, I I grabbed Buffalo minus the ten. They already beat the Jets by ten this year. And it was a sloppy game for Buffalo, who got inside the red zone eight times, but they only could able to convert a certain number of times, I think they're going to have their way with the New York Jets. Green Bay, Houston, fireworks galore. Deshaun Watson is just absolutely underappreciated, and he should have a field day here. If Cooks comes back the way that I've seen Cooks play, he adds that other dimension. You want to talk about Will Fuller getting hurt all the time. Well, when he's in there, he's one of the top wide receivers in the league. Green Bay would be better off just running the ball all day here, but I don't know if Aaron Rodgers' ego, after getting humiliated on national TV by Tom Brady, is going to allow them to hand it off. Green Bay should win. They're laying three and a half. I'm skeptical. I'm I'm leaning here to Green Bay, but uh, this one makes me a little nervous. How about Murray against Wilson? Murray against Wilson. Murray's at home catching three and a half. They're a really impressive Monday night performance the one thing that we always say in sports betting and in sports itself especially the NFL don't always believe the last game you saw the Arizona Cardinals had a ridiculously good game on Monday night in front of everybody Seattle Seattle's on a bye week Seattle's took the time off Arizona still doesn't have Chandler Jones oh by the way Seattle is in a spot here where they had a bye week to sit down with their team and say, we are going to get this defense right. We're going to take two weeks, and we're going to get the defense right. People that were a little big banged up, Carson and Jamal Adams, get right, get healthy, and come out here and play. It's hard for me to not jump on Russell Wilson here. San Francisco, New England, things that don't happen for 500. Alex, sure, things that don't happen. Bill Belichick does not lose three games in a row at all, ever. It's been about 20 years since that's happened. Happen. bill belichick does not lose home games back-to-back weeks it's been since 2003 since that's happened bill belichick rarely loses to coaches that he has coached against and really had a lot of success against uh, that happens here bill belichick hardly ever loses against teams that are missing their best players because of injury raheem mostert bill belichick hardly ever loses at home bill belichick hardly ever loses just say it right and now He's only a two-point favorite. Down from five, down to two. You remember last week. Let's let's understand what happened in that game last week. The Denver Broncos kicked a ton of field goals, okay? It was field goal, field goal, field goal. I would say the New England defense did their job. The offense just did not come to play. But there's some reasons behind that. Cam Newton missed an entire week because of COVID. Was not allowed to practice with the team, and you could tell me, Belichick. You know, you know, Belichick had him virtually practicing, you know, in his pajamas in his room somewhere. I, that's fine, but he's not out there. on He's not on the field. Then he gets cleared for COVID, and he's only got a couple of days to ramp up his practice schedule. That hurt him. Now he's fully healthy, fully fine. He's back. He's going to get a full practice in. I find New England almost impossible in this spot to not jump all over. San Fran is banged up, and San Fran may have impressed on Sunday night, but it was a division game, and it was at home. This is on the road. This is a tough spot. I just don't believe that Bill Belichick is all of a sudden going to have things that did not happen to him in 17-plus years. All of a sudden, it's all going to happen on Sunday. 17-plus years of doing the same exact thing. By the way, the last time New England was this far into the season, under 500, yeah, it was when Tom Brady took over for Drew Bledsoe way back in 2001. Bledsoe, they were 0-2. Bledsoe-led team was 0-2. Brady won the first game, then he lost the the, the next one, and all of a sudden, it's the same situation starting in. I think Cam gets the... Shipwright, i think you could run on san francisco so i do kind of like new england here let's go to denver kansas city kansas city destroys humiliates and has its way with denver nine and one against the spread the last 10 games that they've met up they've won nine in a row straight up kansas city looking really good on all facets the last time out they could run the ball they could pass the ball they go on the tight end they go to wide receivers uh tyree kill wasn't even He wasn't even a thought against Buffalo, and they just dominated that game. Well, this line is under double digits. It's sitting at nine, nine and a half. Denver coming off of a win. They do have to go home, which is okay, sure. But you got Drew Locke, who I'm not buying in on quite yet. Hasn't had the practice time. He's been banged up. He doesn't have weapons because Sutton's out. Kansas City is in a spot where... They know. The last time we took on a team that we normally have success against in the division was the Raiders. And what happened in that game? Yeah, we lost. I think Kansas City will be very focused here. I know it's a short week, which is the only thing that's hesitating me from just not going out there and absolutely pounding this team. It's a short week. It's on the road. It's in division. That's all worrisome. But I've watched this happen before, and I think that Kansas City kind of flexes their muscles, and they've hit that next level. Jacksonville Chargers, I mentioned it. Uh, How about Justin Herbert against Gardner Minshew? May not be the premier matchup that you want, but it's a premier matchup that we're going to get, and I think we're going to see some numbers here. Justin Herbert's really, really good. He he can make every throw out there, but he needs a running attack behind him. Jackson and Kelly, I think, have promised, but neither one of them have really stepped up and taken the plane. Austin Eckler next week will probably be back. So are they thinking down the road? Well, I'm going to go back to a backup spot. I think the charges are going to be too much for Jacksonville here, but there's always the threat with Gardner Minshew, especially with Chark getting healthy and Cole and uh, Chenault. There's always the threat with Gardner Minshew that late in the game he could cover. I don't like a line above seven with Jacksonville in any case. Now, I do know that Jacksonville scored only 15 points the last two weeks. I get it. But I think their offense is better than what it's shown. And Ingram's banged up. Bosa is banged up. That certainly helps Jacksonville on this spot as well. Let's go to Tampa and Vegas. Tom Brady humiliated Aaron Rodgers last time. Yeah, look. look say what you want about Aaron Rodgers. He threw a pick six. He almost threw two pick sixes. He almost threw about four interceptions that game. He was sulking on the sidelines. Tom Brady, meanwhile, when he hit Gronkowski to the right corner of the end zone, it was only about a 15-yard reception. He hit Gronkowski, we all said, wow, that's the Tom that we know. And he's got Godwin back, and Evans is going to come back in healthy. All of a sudden, Fournette adds another level to it. Ronald Jones is running really well, but it's the defense. I mentioned it last week. Tampa Bay's defense. Sideline to sideline. Levante Devin is fantastic. I like Vegas, okay? I think Vegas has the ability. Remember, last time we saw them, they were out there beating the Chiefs. I think they have the ability to beat anybody on any given day. But if you stop Josh Jacobs and dare... Derek Carr to beat you, you could win this game. Now, everyone's gonna point to Derek Carr in the prime time. Oh, yeah, he's 10, 10 and two record against the spread. Yeah, he's fantastic in prime time. Derek Carr, Derek Carr. I get it. But eight and one at home, this is not a spot where it's the normal stadium, right? I know he beat uh the Saints. Look, he does well in primetime. Here's something to think about though. It is a prime time game. Tom Brady's 0-5 in the last five against the spread in prime time, and Derek Carr's is 4-0 against the spread the last four in prime time. It doesn't sway me though. I think you got to go Tampa if you could get that three number. It was two and a half. It r- rose to three. It's up to four in some spots now. You get that three number. I think Tampa Bay is the better team. Uh, this might be more of a sit back and watch, and let's see what Gruden really does. By the way, um, three wins. In the last 15 years, coming off of a bye week, are the Las Vegas Raiders, or at that point, the Oakland Raiders, or is it the LA Raiders? Whatever it is, it's the Al Davis Raiders. They don't do well after bye weeks. Finally, Chicago and the Rams' Monday night game. Rams are six-point favorites against Chicago. Last two times his teams met up, they... Bears absolutely destroyed I mean they absolutely destroyed Jared Goff zero touchdowns a couple of interceptions he just doesn't look good against the Bears the Bears like to make this a punch him around spit it out we're going back to 1991 kind of style of football and if you can get the Rams into that the Rams are just out of their element McVay likes to run he likes to be innovative he likes to be the next guy the genius well the Bears defense they're not having any of that Bears defense is number two in the league at points per game at 19 they're number one in the league at yards per game they They are in the top five in the league at a number of categories, rushing the passer, hitting uh, knockdowns on the quarterback. But the two things that are backbreaking that I think you have to pay attention to here, third down conversions against against the Bears, sixth in the league red zone conversions into touchdowns. Yeah, they're top two in the league. The Chicago Bears break your will. I think giving six in this spot is just too much. I like the Rams. I do. And I think that they might walk out of here with a win. But I think giving six is a little too much. Finally, the last game that we have, 5-0 against 5-0. We are talking about Pittsburgh against, oh yes, the Tennessee Titans. And let's talk about Ryan Tannehill. If you wanted to break down Ryan Tannehill in the last 15 games, the Titans are 12-3 in the games that he has started. He has almost 4,000 yards passing, 35 touchdowns, down seven interceptions. And he runs for five more. So this is Derrick Henry's team, right? Leads the league with 588 yards, rushing well. Yeah, sure. That's great. But the reality is this is becoming Ryan Tannehill's team, which adds another element. But with all that said, the Pittsburgh Steelers defense, yeah, they are number one in the league. Watt and Dupree and Minkah Fitzpatrick. If Minkah Fitzpatrick woke up like I think he did last week. All of a sudden, this team has another element on it. And what I like about Pittsburgh is they can beat you offensively in a number of different ways. Everyone's talking about Chase Claypool, the next new guy. Yeah, sure. He's good but you still have Juju in the slot. You still have Deontay Johnson, and the combination of McFarland and Snell backing up James Conner, who's running the ball fantastically, is something that teams just can't stop. We look at Tennessee and we go, Vrabel's a really good coach, and they want to run the ball, and they want to establish the run, and they want to play good defense. That's their recipe for success. Sure, they've been able to run the ball. They've been offensively pretty good. They have not been able to stop anyone. The Tennessee's defense, this is a bad defense this year, guys, so forget about the, well, our identity is smashed mount defense. No, it's not because you don't play defense. Something to keep in mind here, Devin Bush for the Pittsburgh Steelers, middle linebacker out. He is out of this game, and Taylor Luan, the star offensive lineman for Tennessee, is out of this game. I think that might be the difference maker there. This line is basically a pick'em. Pittsburgh was favored by one, then it went back to Tennessee by one. It's who do you think is going to win? Eileen Pittsburgh. I gave you guys Pittsburgh as my best bet last week. Pittsburgh as my best bet the week before that. Before the preseason, I told you Pittsburgh to make the playoffs, plus 105, Biggest bet I made all year. Sure, I like Pittsburgh, but I am banking on Taylor Luan's injury to really be a massive hole here. We're going to wait and we're going to see just how impactful that is. So that's it, guys. That is a just tremendous week ahead of us. I cannot wait to get involved here. When we get back next week, we're going to have at least one more undefeated team gone. Don't mention a tie. Don't mention a tie. We're going to have at least one more undefeated team off of the register. We might be down to just one. And let's see if Dallas or the Jets could get off the schneid 0-6 against the spread. Yeah, they are setting historic betting marks. I'm Tom Barton for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that.